1: Well, the first Saturday in May sounds a whole hell of a lot better than the first Saturday in September, and that's what we have here. Uh, Derby 147, Saturday in Louisville, Kentucky, Churchill Downs. And as we have now for, I think, almost 20 years here on WEI, WEI.com, uh originally the Across the Board podcast, now part of the Winners Club podcast family, we are here to break down Derby 147. And look, just so we all know where we're coming from here, this is a handicapping podcast it's not a lifestyle podcast, not a sales podcast, not a breeding podcast, not a horsey podcast. We are here to handicap. That's what I care about. I love horse racing more importantly, I like talking about these races, thinking about these races, handicapping these races. Do we always win? Absolutely not. But you put the work and we have some fun and over the last two, at least 15 years been doing this thing, we have put you on to winner after winner. If not me specifically, then our great guest here, on this podcast. And an excellent card looming, as it always is for the Derby, uh, especially this Saturday at Churchill Downs. Uh, if you're looking for a place to watch the races, I will be at Mohegan Sun for their big free ballroom event. Uh, it is free. It opens up, I think, around noontime there in the ballroom Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. If you have any questions about that, you can certainly reach out to me via social media. But that's where I will be uh, for all the big stakes races. My buddy, Big A, Anthony Stabile of NIRA and the New York Racing Association Horse Racing Radio Network. Card starts at 10.30. You've got... Uh, Pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, a derby pick six, which is a mandatory payout ending in the derby for a 20-cent increment. Uh, It's an awesome betting card. As part of that, there are seven stakes races. We're going to talk about all seven of those here on the podcast today and the Kentucky Oaks, which our experts are all going to talk about, and a couple of our experts like uh, Long Shots in the Oaks. Our experts, you know them, you love them. Matt Bernier. NBC Sports Edge, the Matt Bernier Show on YouTube, Jessica Paquette, who you guys know from Suffolk Downs, also now uh, doing work at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and going to be calling races at Sam Houston. She had the the $13,000 trifecta, whatever it was, a couple of years ago in Country House 1 in the Derby. Hopefully we'll do that again. And our buddy Dick Girardi, who I've done the math, has picked the winner in the Derby on this podcast like 60% of the time he's been on. So we got the experts on here. I just sort of run point, let these guys make the big decisions, and I get out of the way. And look, as far as the race goes on Saturday, it's a big favorite in essential quality. He's done nothing wrong. Five for five, two-year-old champ, hard to knock. He's also two to one. And as you're hearing this podcast, he's two to one in part because of a side story. So you guys know around here in New England, like Jordan's Furniture will do these promotions, right? The Red Sox throw a no-hitter. Your furniture is free. Well, Mattress Mac, Jim McAvely, uh, uh, Jim McEvaney, excuse me, in uh, Houston, he owns a bunch of furniture places. And basically, if you buy X amount of furniture and the Derby favorite wins, okay, essential quality, then you get your furniture free. It's like a no-hitter happens, you get your furniture free here at Jordan's. Um, He is going to hedge that promotion by betting on essential quality. That's going to affect the wind pool. He's not just betting in Vegas. Like when you bet against – when you bet on the Houston Astros he did a couple years ago, you bet with Vegas, and the odds don't really move that much when you bet in a paramutual field, uh, even a field of thirty million dollars or so. The win end at three or four million. If you owe like if you bet ten percent, whatever it's going to be, it's going to move the number. And so he's two to one, and that's in part because of the money, in part because he's the favorite on paper. And I can't really knock the guy, but I don't like betting two to one at Aqueduct on a Thursday. I'm not going to bet two to one on top on a Central Quality a horse I like but don't love in a twenty. 20- horse field. I don't know if it's a great derby field yet. I don't know if there's a superstar in the making, but I know at two to one, I will only use essential quality defensively. The horse that I like is about four times the price, almost beat this horse a year ago, and is coming into the race in great fashion. And I'll give you my picks at the very end of this podcast. But like I said, it's a handicapping podcast. We have seven races on Saturday to get to, plus the Kentucky Oaks. Let's get to it. Derby day, Oaks day, 147. As promised, let's get to it. It's a handicapping podcast. Let's handicap uh, a good couple days of racing. We'll focus uh, a lot on Saturday here uh, with our buddy Matt Bernier. Of course, the Matt Bernier Show on YouTube, NBC Sports. And now, oh my God, he's Mr. Pucks, NBC Sports Edge. He's making hockey picks left and right. What's going on, brother?
0: The, uh, the bees all of a sudden look re-energized after the deadline. I think the moves that Sweeney made actually have, have made a pretty tremendous impact. I didn't believe in them leading into the, the deadline because it felt like they were just, they didn't have the depth that they needed. Now they look like a juggernaut.
1: Uh, Taylor Hall looks good. They look deep. Maybe they'll make a run in the Eastern Conference. It's weird, but I, we're not here to focus on your great hockey picks, okay? You can get that on <laughs> Matt's Twitter page and NBC Sports Edge. This is about the Kentucky Derby. And admittedly, Matt, at least this feels like the Derby. We talked in September. That did not feel like the Derby.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, being back to the first Saturday in May, it seems like now, you know, I guess I can look at it one of two ways and say maybe the – Maybe the early derby, which we are accustomed to, lends itself to a little bit more chaos. Maybe you can get a little bit more creative as opposed to what we had seen last September, where it felt like it was tis the law. And and I guess if you wanted to include Authentic, who ended up winning the derby because he was a forwardly placed type, it really didn't seem like there were that many true contenders in that spot. In this year's race, look, essential quality is the horse to beat. But at the same time, I'm not going to argue with anyone that says, He's not really any faster than anybody else in the field, and at a short price, you want to take a shot against
1: him. We'll get to essential quality. One of the exercises that Matt does, we have a full field of 20. We're taping this on Wednesday, so please adjust uh, any of our commentary the next uh, hour or so here on the podcast with any updates on uh, scratches and changes, et cetera. But as far as we know, 20 horses enter, 20 horses will go. Uh, the draw is done. The odds are out there. An and exercise that you've turned me on to the last what, half decade or so is going through and trying to pick out in the form once the PPs are out who are the true win contenders? So in your mind, Matt, how many horses legitimately have a chance to win this Kentucky Derby on Saturday?
0: Before the post draw, I probably would have said six after the post draw, I'm going to say five. And and the big loser to me, no surprises, no agenda down on the inside. And I've, I've seen some folks try to make the argument that, well, now that we've got that one giant gate of 20, that maybe the inside draw really isn't as bad as it used to be with the auxiliary gate. Um, until proven otherwise i still don't want to be on the inside so i i believe known agenda still has a puncher's chance but to me his chances of actually winning uh, have diminished quite a bit here so that, that leaves me with five horses that i think actually have a legitimate chance to win the race and maybe there are some others that i'm sure i disagree with some folks about uh, you know their, their actual chances um but i'm kind of looking at mandaloon uh, or i should say mandalown i guess is technically how it's pronounced Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie, Essential Quality, and Rock Your World. Outside of that, I, I don't really love anyone to win.
1: We will get to M- Amanda Lown, who you've been talking about for a while on social media, and I need an explanation because I get a lot of your picks. I admit I don't get this one, so I can't wait to have the conversation with you. Let's start with a favorite, Essential Quality. He's 2-1 in this field, I think in part because of the Mattress Max stuff, which we talked about to open this podcast here today. Uh, I'm not going to bet any horse a 2-1 to uh, and, and in this field especially, look, he's done nothing wrong, but to me, he's not a two-to-one standout. There's plenty of other two-to-one shots that stand out in like uh, a Wednesday at Belmont Park. He does not stand out as a two-to-one shot to me in this field.
0: No, and, and the other piece to the equation is it, hes he really hasn't improved a great deal from his two-year-old year to his three-year-old year where we are right now. It's not that he doesn't run well. He shows up with his race each and every time, but if you're someone who uses speed figures, which if you don't use speed figures, I really don't know how you actually handicap, but the idea of looking for a horse who has some sort of an edge on the rest of the field is part of the reason that the speed figures are important as they are. And when you just look at the nuts and bolts, the central quality really isn't that much faster. And depending on which figures you use, he's no faster than some of the other alternatives. And he's going to be a considerably shorter price. I just... He's super consistent. I expect him to run a solid race on Saturday, and maybe solid's good enough to win. But uh, to your point, I, I, at 2-1, to one, I just don't think that's an accurate representation of his chances of winning.
1: So a bunch of the horses you mentioned are part of that California contingent, Rock Your World, Medina Spirit. I sort of include uh, you know, Hot Rod Charlie there because he was out there and then he came uh, to the fairgrounds who won. Is that because you felt like, Matt, that the West Coast horses were a better crop of thier, three-year-old? I got that impression just as an overall group. You had to pick a section of the country. I thought California was the best group this year, uh, especially if you consider a horse like Life is Good who's not going to run in this race. Yeah,
0: for me, it came down to California or Louisiana, and we'll get into Louisiana in a little bit. But the idea for the California contingent specifically is their running style. They're all horses who can be forwardly placed in a race that, now that Cotto River, who was a defection earlier this week, now that he's gone, it it feels like a situation where, yes, you may have a a bit of a a scrum as far as who's actually going to make the lead, but I do wonder if it's going to be on the slightly more moderate side. You may just have more horses involved. Um, And to that point, the California horse is the thing that always makes them players in races like this. Most of them are geared toward the front. They like to go. And and Medina Spirit has early speed. Hot Rod Charlie is the kind of horse who can be forward but doesn't have to have the lead. And and Rock Your World, to me, is is genuinely the X factor of this race. Because if anyone's going to put on a show, uh, I think it could be him. Conversely, I could also see him finishing 15th.
1: Do you think Rock Your World, who at least on the time form pace projector, is loose in the lead? Is it as simple as that, or does Bob Baffert send Medina Spirit knowing his only shot to win the race is not to try to raid off Rock Your World like he did last time out in the prep for this one?
0: I think you have to be aggressive if you're John Velasquez and Bob Baffert with Medina Spirit, not just because of the the fact that you alluded to where you, know, you had an opportunity to go by Rock Your World and you couldn't do it, There's a part of me that, you know, it's still too early to really make a definitive statement, but in five lifetime starts, yes, he did make up some ground in the sham where he was trying to close into life is good, but life is good had wrapped up by that point. They weren't asking him to do any running. I'm not convinced Medina Spirit can pass a horse when push comes to shove. His two big races have come when he's been outright on the lead. I wonder if that's going to be kind of the same situation. Keep in mind, this is the same jockey trainer tandem that teamed up with authentic last year and the idea there was don't get cute just go right to the front and say come and catch me uh, if you're rock your world john sadler and company i think you're content either way if for whatever reason no one inside of you wants to go go right to the front uh, you know you obviously saw what he was capable of in the Santa anita derby but at the same time i don't believe like for whatever reason many people do I don't believe that he has to have the lead in order to be effective. He sat just off the target in his turf stakes race two starts back and kicked away very, very nicely. So I think he's in a beautiful position. He's going to be a little bit wide, but this is a horse who it looks like he would run 10 miles if you asked him to. He's still a little bit quirky. He's got his, his things that he needs to iron out. He's a little bit green, but uh, rock your world. I, I think there, there are many, many reasons to like rock your world but I can also understand the folks that are kind of approaching him at arm's length.
1: Yeah, from a buyer's standpoint, he's the only horse in here, 100-buyer speed figure, which is pretty rare uh, for a derby. He's going to be positioned forwardly, and I think he's got a big shot. Another one you mentioned is a win candidate. I could not agree more uh, is Doug O'Neill's Hot Rod Charlie. You uh, showed last year in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile at 94-1, to 1, almost beating essential quality. Then in the the Lewis, he came back and stumbled out of the gate and gave Medina Spirit all he could handle. And then he went right to the front Louisiana Derby. I like the versatility, Matt. I like the speed figures. I like it's the third racer's three-year-old campaign. And I like the price. And I think he fits in well with this group, Hot Rod Charlie the Nine.
0: Yeah, and and the other thing with Hot Rod Charlie to keep in mind, and, and I've brought this up, some people don't think it's that big a deal. The fastest race he's run to date has come at the longest distance he's been campaigned at, at a mile and three sixteenths. He and the horses coming from Louisiana have run a distance longer than any of the other horses running on Saturday afternoon. Most of these horses are coming out of mile and an eighth races. And uh, an eighth of a mile may not sound like a, like a giant, giant gap. But the fact that Hot Rod Charlie has run as fast as he has at a distance that's nearly the 10 furlongs, the mile and a quarter that they'll run on Saturday, I think is certainly a feather in his cap, and we both alluded to the the idea that he's not a need-to-lead type. He won the Louisiana Derby because that was the idea. Let's just go to the front and, and take it to him. But he's shown to be just as effective from off the pace as well. So there's a lot to like about Hot Rod Charlie.
1: Okay, so we've talked about four of your five win contenders. Uh, the fifth is Mandelown, uh, who comes in here for Brad Cox. Uh, and I, I know you've talked about him. You've tweeted about him, even in some sort of picture you tweeted out the other day. I like, did not know what the hell it was. <laughs> Uh, you got to talk me through this because we have a long history in the Derby of horses that don't run a good prep race. They don't win the Derby. And maybe you know something. Maybe you know Brad Cox. You know the connections. Judd Like, Where did that bad race come from? He was the favorite to win that Louisiana Derby. He did not fire, and as far as I can tell, there is no excuse. So I know you're going to pick him to win this race. Give me the breakdown on how he bounces back, what you saw that makes him a contender here, and how you draw a line through the no-show in Louisiana back on March 20th.
0: Well, it, honestly, simply put, that's what you have to do if you're going to try to make a case for a horse like this. Say that for whatever reason, the Louisiana Derby it was a non-effort and you just ignore it, you pretend it, pretend it didn't happen. Because to your point, historically, horses coming into the Derby on the heels of a poor effort genuinely don't run all that well. This is the kind of horse, though, that I'm going to try to be a little bit more creative and a little bit kind to and say... If the Louisiana Derby was not in his past performances, and I understand it is, so you have to deal with that, but if you took it out, you're looking at a horse who's done nothing wrong and two starts back in the middle of February ran every bit as fast, if not faster than almost all the other horses in this race. Now, if you want to look at the Louisiana Derby and say he bounced and perhaps maybe felt the effects of that big effort in February, I'm not going to argue with you. I think that's totally a plausible idea. Then if that's the case, you would like to think, based on the way he's training in the mornings, he's going to come back and rebound and get back to one of his best races, which, again, would put him right in the thick of things. I'm looking at it saying, had he run well in the Louisiana Derby, he's probably the second or third choice in this race at, at, let's say, 6 or 8 to 1. Because he ran as poorly as he did, he's still training very, very well. He's the the bell of the ball in the mornings. You're probably looking at a horse that's going to be one and a half times or two times the price he would have been, had he gone and done what we all thought he would in that final prep. Based on that alone from a value standpoint, I think there's at least an argument to be made that he's going to offer a a bit of a better price than maybe he should. And if he fires his best raise, I think he's got a big chance of winning.
1: Uh, You mentioned Mandelown here. Uh, I'm going to use him for sure. some places, uh, in the the horizontal wagers, uh, defensively because you've talked about him and the workouts have been good. We've gone through sort of some of the top five. No agenda. who drew the rail, I... I I like what happened in the Florida Derby. I like the blinkers go on, and now he's two for two. But I'm with you on the rail draw. It's not great, and I, it's not something I want to get behind. It's been forever since the 50s. So the horse is won off the rail there. Highly motivated for Chad Brown. Ran a pretty good prep race, but he got stuck on the outside, and I'm not quite sure uh, you know, where, where he fits in with this group. So we've talked about a bunch of the, the single-digit price horses. How about any long shots here, Matt? Live long shots people should be talking about and thinking about trifectas, superfectas that could fill out tickets in the Derby.
0: Well, Obezos has sort of been the, uh, let's call him the wise guy underneath horse. I don't know if he's going to be good enough to win, but I think many people see a scenario with that sort of one-run closing style for him to get a piece of this thing, maybe finish third or fourth. A couple other horses, though, to me that, I don't want to say they're flying under the radar, but ones to consider, they're right in the middle of the field, the number 10 and the number 11. Midnight Bourbon has never taken a step backwards as far as his races are concerned. He may not be the flashiest horse. He's not the likeliest winner, but he's paired up career top buyers of 96. I think that can precede a forward move. He's trained very well over the Churchill Down Strip. Again, I don't think he necessarily can win this thing, but why can't he run second, third, or fourth at 15, 20, 25 to 1? And dynamic one, say what you will about the Wood Memorial. Some people, some figure makers specifically, they don't have the race rated very highly. Others actually have a pretty decent race. He, to me, was the one who did the most running in the entire race because he was relatively close to a hot pace. He was wide throughout, and he just got run down by his stable mate in Bourbonic. I think dynamic one's coming into this one a little bit under the radar. He's, he's another one I want to use underneath.
1: Uh, the only one I'll mention uh, is keep me in mind for Robertino Diodoro, He's done, I don't think, any shot at winning. Uh, but I do think there's a scenario where they just ride him to try to hit the, the trifecta or superfecta. He's run well here at Churchill Downs. He closed like a a freight train in the Kentucky uh, Jockey Club uh, last year. He ran third in the Juvenile. So if I like Hot Rod Charlie, if Essential Quality is someone to look at, I'm going to use Keep Me in Mind as a big price underneath. Uh, If I made you pick a top four, like we're in the daily racing form, Matt Bernie, what would your top four be for the Derby? Uh,
0: Seven, Mandaloon. Mandalown. I got to fix that. Uh, (laughs) Fifteen, Rockier World. Fourteen, Essential Quality. Ten, Midnight Bourbon.
1: There you go. Seven, fifteen, fourteen, ten in the Derby for Matt Bernier. Uh, he will have lots of information for you on Twitter, NBC Sports Edge, uh, the Matt Bernier Show on YouTube. Uh, let's walk backwards here uh, a little bit. Maybe as competitive a race as the Derby, uh, you can make the argument that the race that precedes it, the Turf Classic, is every bit as good. You have a horse that can be loose in the lead. you got Chad Brown with a couple in here. Deep field in uh, race 11 with this Turf Classic. Now, let's work backwards here. This will kick off the a double into the derby, be the middle part of that late pick three.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this is a fascinating race. To me, it's the best race of the weekend. Most looking forward to it just from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, Colonel Liam for Todd Fletcher, this is really the acid test to find out if how he stacks up among the best American turf runners we have. That's not to not to take anything away from the Pegasus World Cup turf or the Muniz Memorial, but neither of those fields were loaded with the sort of turf stars that we've grown accustomed to seeing here in the States. Uh, you brought up Chad Brown, and no surprise, Chad has a strong hand in the turf race, a great one. I love domestic spending, the five in here. This is going to be his first start as a four-year-old. You want to talk about a turn of foot. This horse kicks like a mule down the lane. The way that he won the Hollywood Derby in late November out at Del Mar, I thought was spectacular, especially given the way the race was run. Smooth like Straight's a really talented racehorse. He's in this spot as well. My concern with him is distance. I don't really think he's a mile and an eighth type. I think he's more of a miler. And he did something kind of funny with his mechanics in his most recent start that makes me fade him. Domestic spending, though, was wider than wide rounding the far turn. He kicked home like a freight train, got his final eighth of a mile, sub-11 seconds. Um, I you know, I guess the layoff could be a little bit of a concern, but this is a very common move for Chad Brown. Wait for the big races to start showing up and have them ready to fire at first asking. Um, I, I like domestic spending quite a bit in here, the number five.
1: Uh, you mentioned uh, the speed horse here, smooth like straight. I'm having a hard time leaving all of my tickets. I've seen too many... Horses in these distant turf races or Churchill Downs get loose in the lead and just hang on. So he'll be involved. But domestic spending looks awesome. And the, the, the video, the tape does not lie in that Hollywood Derby. The horse I want to ask you about before we move on uh, is the number nine horse, Ride a Comet, who on uh, numbers is right there. Uh, what about the distance for this horse?
0: Yeah, that's a big concern for me. I mean, I, I was really taken by that tropical turf. And I immediately made a little bit of a note thinking he could be a Breeders' Cup mile type. Um, They went out to to Santa Anita for the kill row. He didn't get a great deal of pace to run at, and he was just kind of flat that day. He came with a solid effort in the Makers' mark most recently. That was with a hot pace. My concern is that mile and an eighth, and I know he has won at the distance in the past, but don't let a, a big late finish at shorter distances, it doesn't always equate to being the same going longer. Actually, the longer distances can kind of dull that late kick a little bit. Um, I I do wonder if that's the case with Ryde If His best races are going to be at that
1: flat mile. Uh, The pick pick three that will lead into the Derby and the late pick five starts with race number 10. It's the grade one Churchill Downs going seven furlongs on the main track at Churchill. All forecasts say fast and firm. Uh, Four Saturdays racing after some rain uh, supposedly through the area on Thursday. I I guess just looking through it for the first time uh, yesterday, I think I'm going to be against Whitmore, but after that, it, it's a pretty competitive group. What, what did you want to do here in this uh, sprint race going seven furlongs?
0: Maybe I'm going to be entirely wrong. But occasionally, just sort of the stars align and you just key in on a horse. And yep. say, I, I don't see how they, they don't win this race. Um, I'm going to the number 12 endorsed. And he's been a little bit of an underachiever, if we're being honest. I mean, he's never won a graded stakes race in his career. But he's run fast races in the past. And I think his two most recent starts are both much, much better than maybe the paper would suggest. The run two back, he was up on a hot pace, first time wearing blinkers. He was the only part of the pace that was around late that day at Gulfstream Park. I think you want to upgrade that race a bit. And then in his most recent run, he was in a beautiful position down on the inside in the pocket. And unfortunately, Junior Alvarado rode him that day. Yeah, nowhere to go. The horse got stacked up, shuffled back, eventually angled out, and came to the big finish. Galloped out well past Fat Man, who's also in this race. I'm I'm not fully buying the twelve to one morning line. I have a feeling he's going to take money in here. He always does. Uh, but there's a there's a real chance that I'm just going through this race, circling him, saying I'm going to single him in all the the multi race wagers and take my chances. I love endorsed
1: on Saturday. You get the best jockey I think in the country right now, and Joel Rosario. I may, maybe he won't be twelve to one, but he's not going to be. Uh, a short price. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Tap It to Win goes off at the number five horse from Mark Cassie, uh, second off the layoff. There, uh, we'll we'll find out. I, I'm leaning towards a, a spread there in that race and sort of being against Whitmore and spreading out amongst some others. But it's a it's a tough race to start. The pick three will kick off the late pick five. There are two more races after the Derby on Derby Day. How about Friday, Matt? I know uh, we give you a lot of credit. Uh, you were able to put us on to uh, a Derby a, a Oaks horse. She shares the devil. Uh, last year at fifteen to one, people are still still playing uh, tickets off the money they won uh, with that Oaks winner you gave us on this podcast just uh, you know, a couple of months ago. Based on uh, when the Oaks was, uh, what do you want to do here on Friday in the Oaks? Do you have another fifteen to one thirty dollar horse for us to get our uh, Derby weekend started? I do. I, I don't know if she's going to be
0: good enough because I, I really think Malasat may be a, a star in the making for Pletcher and company. But if for whatever reason she doesn't get it done. Uh, the horse that I'm going to pick is on the far outside for Bill Mott. I like the 14 Milfoy. Uh, she's 20 to 1 on the morning line. This is a Philly who gave Maluza everything she could ask for in the demoiselle to wrap up their two year old campaigns at Aqueduct at this mile and an eighth distance. So that's not a concern for me. The Devona Dale, her first start of the year, a one turn mile, draw a line through it entirely. She was starting to warm up, get the engine cooking, and she ran up on heels. And after that, John Velasquez basically wrapped up on her. So. I don't think she gained any fitness from that race. I effectively look at the Gulfstream Oaks as if it was the first start of the year for her, and she put in a really impressive move, rounding the far turn to take the lead, and she just flattened out and got run down by Crazy Beautiful. That, to me, signified a horse that's a little bit short. She needed a race to get some fitness. I think she's a much tighter version. It sounds like she's training well down at Churchill, and I I think she's ready to take a big step forward. Is it enough to upend Malathat? Uh, maybe, maybe not, but uh, at the price, I, I certainly want to find out. I think Milfoy has a, a puncher's chance to get the job done on Friday.
1: Yeah, Ava's grace going to scratch out for Robertino Diordoro. Malathot looks uh, terrific, uh, at least on paper. And I, I, You and I texted a little bit yesterday. I, I think my problem with this race is I think she just might be that good. So I'm not sure how much I want to go to to, to go after. Uh, you mentioned a horse I will use, and I'm also going to use the two other, your know, logicals here in travel column and search results for Chad Brown, who might be uh, search might be his best shot to to get one of these big races here this weekend. Uh, besides domestic spending, who you mentioned there, but it's a, it's a fun sequence uh, there on Friday. We have a full uh, car of races on Saturday. Uh, Bernie underscore Matt on Twitter, NBC Sports Edge. I, we joked about the hockey picks, Matt, but. Will you have you know picks for the rest of the Derby card on, on the Sports Edge? Where can people find that over the weekend?
0: I'm actually doing some picks for some folks over in Europe at Racing Post, Ooh. but I will be on Twitter throughout the day on Saturday. We have a, a little bit of a live pod for NBC Sports Edge happening Saturday morning. I'm going to do a little bit of a radio thing later on as we get closer to the Derby, but I'll be putting my picks out there throughout the day as well.
1: Bernie underscore Matt on Twitter. Follow him. Tell him how great he is. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. We'll we'll talk in the end. We'll talk for Fort Preakness. We'll catch you in the NHL playoffs. Uh, Matt, good luck in Derby. Hit him hard this weekend, my friend. You got it, buddy. said to start this podcast here today. It's a handicapping podcast. It is not a lifestyle podcast, not a what are you wearing to the Derby podcast. We are here to handicap. And so let's have a person who uh, a couple of years ago gave out an unbelievable uh, trifecta, superfecta with Country House on top, getting it done in the Derby. Jessica Paquette, which many of you know from Suffolk Downs, of course, but now with the Thurbit Retirement Foundation and going to be calling races at Sam Houston later on this spring and summer. Jess, what's going on?
2: Hey, i happy to be on. Happy Derby. This is the best time of year. And boy, I will be cashing in on that Derby trifecta for the rest of my life. I may never pick another winner again, and I'm still okay. Uh,
1: yeah, you cannot pick a winner on this podcast, and you've been people a lot of money uh, on the website. Yeah, the picks up at Suffolk Downs. You can find them there. Where Jess does a lot of work, now doing work with the Great Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. And I mentioned Sam Houston. Are you calling Quarter Horse Races Sam Houston this year? Is that true?
2: I am calling some quarter horse races, so I'll be the first woman in Texas horse racing history to go be the track announcer and call some races on Belmont Stakes weekend.
1: Uh, That is awesome, which is just a couple of weeks away. (laughs) We found out uh, today that in New York, their fans are back uh, at track, so things are starting to become a little bit more normal, including this. And we're going to start with the Oaks here in a second. I'm not going to knock the Derby in September. I'm glad that we got there. But this does feel a lot more normal to me. It's springtime in New England. The, uh, the flowers are blooming. And we're talking about the three-year-olds in the biggest race of the year. This is real derby, Jess.
2: This is real derby. And local friends, you know, go down to Suffolk Downs, watch and wager on the races there. You can go to your friendly neighborhood, form a racetrack, and you know get your horse action there.
1: Excellent simulcast facilities there at Suffolk Downs. If I was not going to be at Mohegan Sun, I would be there, and I know exact spot I'd be sitting and a great seat there. Great lounge, great it's a, it's a great setup there at Suffolk Downs, and can't wait to be out there. Uh, hopefully this summer betting some Saratoga. Uh, we actually just talked that about the, great. I, I can't wait. We just talked about the Oaks uh, with Matt Bernier, so I actually want to start there because I will admit going into this weekend, as we're talking on Wednesday, this is probably the races this weekend that I'll be talking about. That I've done the least amount of work on because I think the favorite Malatat for for Todd Pletcher looks that good on paper. I'm curious what you think about this group of three-year-old Phillies as a whole and is the favorite a legitimate favorite in the Oaks on Friday.
2: I think she's absolutely a legitimate favorite, but I don't think she's unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination. For me, the more I look into this race, this is just such an interesting pedigree race. I know I'm a little bit of a pedigree nerd, but the female families on some of these horses, you see these horses that were great race mares producing now grade one caliber fillies, which I think is really cool. You're seeing a lot of nice horses represented by their daughters here. And
1: the real story to me is Curlin
2: as a stallion. My entire trifecta, is Curlin first second
1: and third. <laughs> uh, Curlin has been a great sire uh, over his career. Uh, as far as the, the the talent in this field, uh, after the favorite, who are some of the other horses? We'll get to your official picks in a second. But as a group, what stands out besides the sires? Is this in your mind a good Kentucky Oaks group compared to you know, other groups you normally see in the first you now the, the the Friday before the Derby?
2: So I think this is a really interesting betting race. I don't think we're necessarily seeing the next Rachel Alexandra or Holder or any superstar coming out of this race, but I think it's going to be a competitive race and really there's a chance to make some money. I really like number 12, Milfoy.
1: Uh Let's go there to number 12. Uh, and, and so Ber- Bernier and Jess Paquette on the same long shot in the Oaks. Okay. Talk. Now now is the, hold on is that because you have an affection for Bill Mott and Bill Mott with three year olds going back to Royal Delta okay the, he, to me he can't do any wrong. This is his specialty when he gets hold of a good three year old Philly so I'm already on board with that. W- what do you see out of the twelve horse here that makes you uh interested in wanting to bet what's gonna be feels like double digit odds on Friday?
2: Well, I think you'll get double digit odds. I think the, I think Bill Mott really kind of tightened the screws on her the last couple of workouts have been really sharp, and this is a horse. What a female family on this horse. Her dam was unraced, but she's out of grade one winner, Honest Lady, who was a nice sprinter, second in the Breeders' Cup sprint, but also a half-sister to Empire Maker. This is just a producer's family every step of the way. I, I think this horse is going to run a sneaky good race. I, I really like her at a big price.
1: Yeah, and I love the idea they used some speed last time, like you said, uh, in that Gulfstream Park's Oaks, and now they can settle and make a little bit of a run from just off the pace and makes a lot of sense at a big price. Who else do you want to use? If that's your top choice, Jess, where would you go to round out your picks here uh, in the Kentucky Oaks? Comes up at 5.51 Eastern Time on Friday. I want to remind people the Oaks Derby Double is always a fun race. You can play into the horses you like in the Derby, especially now that Bernier and Paquette are putting us on big-time uh, horses here, big prices. Who else do you want to use in your uh, top three in the Oaks on Friday?
2: Well, I'm rounding out my curling trifecta with number three, Clarier. I think she may offer a little value. Uh, despite impressive pedigree, solid resume, I think she gets a little bit overlooked. And this is a horse that I've been watching all week, training at Churchill, and she looks really well within herself. I like that she likes Churchill. That always goes a long way, because some horses... And even so, they just don't like this track for whatever reason. And I think I think nice turn a foot from off the pace. I don't know what the pace scenario is going to be. That's kind of my biggest question, Mark. I want You really want a horse that's a little more tactical, but I think she can get a piece of it.
1: It's such an interesting race, and uh, we'll look to Bill Mott on the outside uh, at a big price here in the Oaks, and that'll lead us into, oh, at 5.50 or 6.57 or so on Saturday, the Kentucky Derby, back on Saturday, back in May, back with fans uh, in the building at Churchill Downs. This race, like the Derby, uh, does have a significant morning line favorite in essential quality. Unlike the Oaks, Jess, I don't have the same uh, great feeling about this favorite in essential quality, and I'm much more likely to try to bet against essential quality than am the favorite in the Oaks. What did you think of the 2-1 to morning line undefeated Brad Cox trainee essential quality going into this race?
2: I mean, I think he's as legitimate as they come, but... You know, who wants to pick a two-to-one shot? I think he can obviously get beat. There are a lot of different ways you can look. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to think that I think he's maybe the best horse of them, but he might not get the threat. He might not get the setup. There are 20 horses. A lot can happen. So this is really the kind of race. Take a swing. I'm
1: definitely doing that. It is two, to, two to one is just so unappealing in a race like this. You can get two to one on you know, a million other races in the country, 364 days a year. Taking two to one in the Derby is, is really tough. And I, I think he's going to be uh, an underlay in this field. I, I know that you, as you mentioned with Curlin, breeding is a big part of, of what lands you on horses, country house at a monster price. You love the breeding on that horse. Is the breeding pointing you towards any on top horse in the Derby on Saturday?
2: Well, if Perlin has a big weekend as a stallion, I might look kind of clever here. I like number 16, King Gary. Now, I want to say, right off the bat, this is a horse I really want to see on the turf at some point in his life. He moves like a turf horse to me. He's bred to be a turf horse. But he's been a funny horse. When he shows up, he's really impressive. And I understand most of his better races have come over and off track. The forecast does not really look like it's favorable for that this weekend. But I don't know. I think this is a horse that could really put all all the pieces together and pull a big upset.
1: See, and I like horses that showed a foundation, right? When you look at King Fury's two-year-old campaign— you know, he has some good races there. In the in the Breeders Futurity, he did not fire. He was four wide that day, but was still like seven to one against Essential Quality, against Keep Me In Mind, against Superstock, who's in this race. Then he came back in the street sense, a little bit closer in that race, got his trip, and then beat Superstock, who's going to be a shorter price. And so he's kept, I thought, pretty good competition. The question I had, and maybe this is now, I got to get out of the mold of, say, 20 years ago, when you can't win the Derby off of just one race. He is one of a bunch in this field, Jess, that only has one race coming into the Derby. What do you make of that? Is that something that, because the the current state of thoroughbred racing, should not be like a rule anymore that, hey, you have to have more than one prep before you go and run in the Derby?
2: I think at this point, the way horses are trained in campaigns is just so incredibly different than it was 20 years ago. Um, I'm willing to throw a lot of rules out the window here, and that is absolutely one of them.
1: All right, so King Fury at a monster price coming off that win uh, in the Lexington. Who else do you want to use in your top three, your top four? Uh, people can uh, play your uh, trifecta and box it up and hope for some more good luck we had a couple of years ago.
2: So it's easy to get sucked into as Derby Week goes along, hearing, you know, this horse looks amazing. This horse looks great. These are the 20 best three year olds in the country. They better all look great at this point. They're in the Kentucky Derby. So I try not to get too seduced by, you know, the horse that everyone is talking about. But number 15, Rock Your World, boy, does he look great. Uh, he's been just kind of a physical standout from everyone I've talked to at Churchill this week. And that's it's people I, re- I respect and I trust. So that's kind of enough for me. On paper, I don't think he beat much in the Santa Anita Derby. I wasn't delighted by Sadler spinning Rostoli off for a more experienced rider. But I think he's a good horse.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, the Rispoli thing, people that you know maybe have not paid close attention, he rode this horse his first three races. Sadler put him on the turf in the first two. And then when they have a chance to get a better jockey, I mean, I think Joel Rosario arguably is the best jockey on dirt in the country right now. So it stinks for him. He'll be in the race on Brooklyn Strong. So he does get a mount in this one. Uh, but Rock Your World makes complete Sadler's sense.
2: Sadler's won more races with... With Rosario than any than any other jockey in his in his training career, and so he, it makes sense. I, and I get it.
1: He had his choice of these these, these horses, so I, it's a tough part of the game. And I'm sure, from a jockey standpoint, it sucks. If I were John Sadler or the owners of Rocky World, Jess, I do the same thing. I, I think I would do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, um, do you have I any have, any issue with, with Rocky smaller, World with, with the turf part because you're good at this stuff? Any issue for you that Sadler spent the first two races of the career of Rock Your World, who's got a 100 buyer speed figure in his only dirt race, running this horse on turf?
2: Well... Kind of an interesting thing is I've always found that kind of turfy type horses do tend to translate to the Churchill dirt a little bit. But hmm. so that actually kind of is almost a selling point for me. I think this horse, this horse will get over the track really well. And you just want to see a horse that really is flourishing within themselves and handling the atmosphere of the derby as well. Because there is one horse this week that is not doing that. And the more I watch him, the more of a toss he is. Um I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, but one thing that's interesting about these, this whole crop of horses is most of them haven't seen a ton of fans because of the pandemic and most racetracks sure. have been running spectator-free short of the Breeders' Cup. Midnight Bourbon, I think his brain is going to fall out between his ears when he sees the, <laughs> the, the fans at Churchill Downs on Derby Day. He has not been a good actor in the paddock, and you wonder if some of them just have not gotten the exposure that they would have normally gotten at this point in their career to that sort of atmosphere.
1: That's interesting. And he'll be a price there. He ran second to Hot Rod Charlie in that Louisiana Derby at Fairgrounds. So we have uh, King Fury at a big price. We have Rock Your World. that makes a lot of sense. Who do you want to use at the bottom of your trifecta tickets?
2: I mean, I'm not tossing essential quality off my ticket entirely. He just he's too consistent. He's too good. And Brad Cox is as hot as they get.
1: Uh, what did you think about known agenda uh, for Todd Pletcher? Todd sends these horses in. It feels like in a lot of years, you know, Todd has these horses ready almost before the derby, and you don't see them fire their race, and he draws the rail. Uh, I, I usually like the Florida Derby as a prep, but I, I'm going to have an easier time than usual not using a lot of known agenda in this race on Saturday.
2: I mean, he's another offspring of Curlin, so he goes with my whole theme of this derby week. I, I, you know, I think it really just depends on how he breaks. Like, if he, if he can break okay and tuck back a little bit and not get banked around too much, I don't think the inside position is that bad for him. I think people, you know, get really worked up about these post positions. And in Europe, they run, you know, field sizes like this all the time, and people kind of manage to get over it.
1: Uh, since you mentioned the breeding, I, I, I'd be crazy not to mention a horse that I like on Saturday because he's a half brother to Matoli in Hot Rod Charlie. Are you going to tell me that he can't get the distance as the son of Oxbow?
2: I will not be a grinch and and uh, you know the the whole thing with Hot Rod Charlie is first that is for such an it's for such a nice cause like you kind of want to root for the source a little bit um, and physically, he looked great. I did tweet after the Louisiana Derby that the Derby winner definitely did not come out of that race, so he could certainly prove me wrong. I mean, that was enough of a bold tweet that someone from that race can definitely win and prove me wrong and make me look dumb.
1: And you already trashed uh, Midnight Bourbon, so that, that now, oh Obeso's so, oh, obesos oh, going to come running late right by the mall and Jeff's going to go, oh, there was the close Louisiana Derby, winning at a big price.
2: <laughs> that sounds right, yeah, so... Uh. Toss out my pick to use the Louisiana Derby. You're good.
1: Uh, The Louisiana Derby was one of the preps for the Kentucky Derby. King Fury won uh, his latest prep. He's going to get in. He did in the slop and just likes King Fury at a big price here coming up in the Kentucky Derby. We're putting all of our guests here to work on the undercard uh, on Derby Day as well because you're going to have pit rolling pick threes all day at $0.50, a bunch of pick fours. There's pick fives, obviously a Derby pick six. That's only a $0.20 increment. It's not a jackpot payout, so uh, a really good betting menu in addition. To a star-laden card. Uh, how about the six race? We'll, we'll get you to work here on the first stakes race of the day. It's the Grade Two uh, Churchill uh, Churchill Downs Distaff Mile. They're going a mile on the turf for the Phillies in race six. What stood out to you to kick off the stakes portion of the card on Saturday, Jess?
2: I really like number three, New York Girl. She's actually one of my stronger opinions, kind of on the entire card. Uh, I love the jockey switch and uh, Junior Alvarado. Very fine rider gets the job done. But no one is better on the turf than John Velasquez. And I think this horse is obviously highly regarded in Europe. She ran against top companies. She didn't really run well against top companies, but she was spotted there. And I think that kind of faith in her ability says something. And she's been very good since she came uh, to the US. I think New York girl, big opinion there.
1: Uh, people are going to have to make a decision on Got Stormy. Jess, I'm curious what you think. Got Stormy a couple of years ago at Saratoga, you know, won races twice in a week. She was really on form. I, I'm not saying she's like completely off kilter right now, but it feels like a notch below where she was. And I saw eight to five and thought, I want to bet against. What's your opinion of the current form and the current talent of Godstormy Stormy trying to navigate this mile at Churchill?
2: Rooting for betting against is is sort of where I fall with her. I, I love horses like this that run for a couple of years and let us be fans of them. And she's a tough mare. And when she fires, she's, I mean, she's just really fun to watch. However, I don't like that price. And I don't think this is a you know a walkover field by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah, it's a fun race to start it off. You want to be against the favorite? Chad Brown's got blowout, uh, who's going to have an opportunity to try to uh, rebound off uh, a second place finish, a couple of second place finishes at the end of last year. Chad does great uh, off these layoffs. Might have a pace advantage. New York go- girl, the three horse, eight to one. So Jess just handing out Bill motson prices here uh, for our Derby podcast. Let's go to race number seven, which. Like this is a tough one for me because there's a Horse and Ear Gamine who's going to be, well, she's going to be one of the shortest prices on the card, and I. I could not wait to bet against her, just last year in the dirt in the in the Oaks because I knew she could not get the distance. Um, she had come off a there couple. Was no
2: of, way she was getting the
1: distance. Of course she was. She held on for third, so she ran admirably. But she's a sprinter, and she has been a monster in her career. You can you can debate where that monster comes from. Is it talent or is it uh, uh, chemicals? As she has been uh, cited a couple times for different uh, issues with Bob Baffert, but at least on paper. I mean she feels like she has to fall down to lose this race. What do you want to do with Kameen getting to sprint at Churchill what she wants to do uh in this 7th uh, race coming up on Saturday?
2: So as a public handicapper, I feel like, you know, one of my jobs is to have have a strong opinion and, you know, maybe take a take a swing. If you're playing a horizontal wager and you want it, you need to go deep in the derby and you need to go, you know, deep in a couple of races singular, I guess. I guess. But I'm going to try to beat her. I I don't think she's, un- you know, I don't think she's unbeatable. I am highly skeptical of some of her performances, particularly the test when, you know, she won like a freight train, but also, you know, then failed the test yeah. afterwards. And, you know, that one race at Churchill, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that she likes the track. If, you know, if you're looking for a way to beat her, maybe that maybe that is the way. Um, you know, the, the Kentucky Oaks was a little bit far for her, but she also looked like she was spinning her wheels over the surface as well. And I'm going to go with the horse number three, Bell's the one. Four tries at Churchill, two firsts, two seconds. Super consistent horse. And, yes, of course, she's a cup below. I mean, you know, brilliance-wise. But I, if you're trying to beat her, I mean, why not?
1: She, she, I mean, and, and Bell's the one is the one in this race. She's, I think, she's been in the the trifecta seven of eight at the distance, as you said, two firsts and two seconds in four races at Churchill. I, I mean, if you can, ha- if you have the budget. I'm with you. I would use those two and move on. If you have the single, I totally understand it, but I'm with you 100% on Bells the One as being the other alternative there as part of uh, the, the racing. And, and as Jess said, I mean, that's going to kick out the Derby City Six, they're calling it. It's a mandatory payout. goes races seven through the Derby. It's a 20 cents minimum. So I think a lot of people will probably single on Gamine. If you can afford it, I think Jess put you onto the right horse there. Uh, and that's what I'll be doing. I will be full. I'm fully admit, I'm not going to single Gamine fully. I'm going to use Bells the One as another A in that. That race for me. So we talked about a bunch of races. and No surprise, Jess gave out price after price after price. That's what she does, why she's so good. That's why she's so in demand right now in the industry and calling races at Sam Houston uh, and working for Thurber Retirement Foundation. Are you going to have full card picks? People find these online besides uh, J.M. Paquette on Twitter this weekend?
2: I'm going to have some uh, written analysis of the Oaks and the Derby available at Suffolk Downs.com. Nice. com. Uh, nice. I never forget my friends at the East Boston Noble, and also follow me on Twitter. I will have opinions throughout the day. I'm never shy.
1: I was going to say that also. That includes opinions after a race, where a trainer, <laughs> a trainer that <laughs> wins, the that Jess
2: <laughs> A a, uh,
1: a a trainer that Jess might not like, she may not come out and say it, but you'll get it in the tone of her tweet. That is for sure. <laughs>
2: The thing without saying the thing. I think that's my greatest
1: skill in life. Well, I hope we are talking again very soon here in the Triple Crown. I hope at some point, Jess. I know it's not it's not on anyone's radar right now, unfortunately. But I do hope we are talking about live racing in Massachusetts at some point. I know there were some ideas uh, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, to get things going out in Western Mass, and between legalized sports betting here at some point, which is dragging on, and uh, live horse racing again here. I'm I'm desperate for it. I, I'm I'm. I'm trying to stay positive, but each day that that goes by, you know, that negativity creeps in that just might not happen here in the state.
2: Well, the further you go from it, the harder it is to get back to it. And I'm, you know, always rooting for all of our friends from Suffolk that have gone on and are training horses and working as jockeys and working in other capacities at parks and in the Mid-Atlantic and everywhere else. And uh, You know, it's nice to see so many of them going on and succeeding, um, but I wish it was in our backyard still.
1: I know. And it should be. And at some point, someone who's much smarter than me, Jess, and has a lot more money, will figure out a way to make this work because it just, it's just a hole in the East Coast racing industry It needs to be fixed very soon. Uh, Jess Paquette, who joins us here, uh, whether she's handicapping, calling races, advocating for racing, uh, and for the horses in this sport, there's nobody better to talk to. Uh, and we're going to be rooting for King Fury. He'll be on all my tickets now. My Trifect is uh, heading into the weekend, Jess. Have a great Oaks. Have a great Derby. And can't wait to see uh, your, <laughs> your varied opinion on Twitter over the weekend. Happy Derby. And the handicapping continues. Derby 147 comes up on Saturday. Oaks on Friday at Churchill Downs. We're talking on a Wednesday afternoon with the man who's picked winners. Went back and looked today at about a 60% clip uh, in the Derby on this podcast, which is just miraculous. Our buddy Dick Girardi with us today, uh, courtesy of betonline.ag. Of course, both the national... Uh, racing rider for the Daily Racing Forum, covered racing locally for a long, long time in Philadelphia, quite frankly. Uh, I would say a thoroughbred turf uh, riding legend. and He's nice enough to join us once again uh, for the Derby. Happy Derby, Dick. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Happy Derby in May to you, sir. Yeah, it does feel uh, a lot better this way. And, I mean, as a as a group, it feels like, you know, like a normal thing, like last year we had all these prep races and Tis the Law was really pointing for this race and now he's going to run in September and he was probably better right. earlier. They're in the right <laughs> yeah. form, they're three-year-olds, and we get the usual derby scramble coming up on Saturday. Yeah, somebody asked me,
3: you know, what's changed this
1: year about preparation? I said, thankfully nothing. This is the way it's normally done. Last year was the change agent. Uh, we still, though, as some we had in some derbies, we have at least a, a pretty significant favorite on paper. And, I, and that's where I've started the conversation throughout the course of of this podcast, because people are going to try to decide whether they're experienced handicappers or just going for their second or you know third <laughs> t- two or three times a year, where they go and bet the races, what to do with essential quality. He's two to one. He's undefeated. Dick, let's get, let's start there with uh, the favor. We'll get some other horses here. Your thoughts on essential quality on Saturday.
3: I have nothing bad to say about essential quality, other than the fact that Mattress Mac is going to bet like, I don't know what, three or four million to win on yep. him, which is going to bring his, bring his price down. But, Look, he's five, as you said, five for five. Won the Breeders' Cup, two-year-old champ, two wins this year in significant prep races. Great trainer on Brad Cox. It'd be a great redemption story, obviously, if Louis Sayas wins two years after that. <laughs> Excuse me, after that fiasco of a of a DQ at the Derby with Maximum Security. So yeah, uh, other than the fact, Mike, that yes, it doesn't look to me like he's gotten much faster. The best analogy I can come up with for this horse is Nyquist. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Nyquist, right? Two-year-old champ, undefeated, doesn't dazzle you with speed figures, but just wins every time he runs.
1: So, yeah, I have nothing negative to say about the source. Well, we know Dick also, we mentioned all the work that he's done with thoroughbred racing, also work with the buyer associates, and you, uh, have been, you've been you sworn by the buyer speed figures, like most of us do, who have followed racing for a long time. There is only one horse in the entire field uh, Dick, who has a 100-buyer speed figure, that is rock your world. I have not seen your picks, but I have to believe if one horse is the only one with triple digits, Dick Girardi is interested in betting that horse on Saturday.
3: Well, yeah, it's, it, you're right, uh, and it's It's very unusual that we'd be at this stage, and that's why, again, the analogy to Nyquist is there. Now, Essential Quality got a 95 in the Breeders' Cup, but this year he's only gone up a point or two, 96, 97 where, and you pointed out, Rock Your World, his first dirt start, and he looked good doing it. Got that 100 buyer. So, yeah, that does have my interest. But uh, here's my issue with Rock Your World. Uh, only three races, no two-year-old foundation. Look, I know Justified did it, but Justified to me is like one of those one-in-a-million kind of horses. This is a horse's second race on dirt. Uh, there's going to be possible challenge for the lead. And this I like John Sadler, but he ain't Bob Bapper. Uh so you know if this was a Baffert horse, I would probably be I'm all over this horse, but I do have some questions about some of the residual stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's strictly looking at numbers, the other number that jumps off the page is to me is the Louisiana Derby number, the hot rod Charlie. He got a ninety nine, looked good doing it. He does have a foundation as a two year old Mike, and there's four races with blinkers. They're all good races, right? The maiden race, the Breeders' Cup race at 94-1 to 1 was good. The Robert Lewis was good. And certainly the Louisiana Derby was really good. And you got a guy, Doug O'Neill, who's won the race twice in the last
1: decade. Well, and to not to, not to pile on, because he's the horse that I'm, I'm picking on top in this race, uh, I'll give you a couple other things I wanted to mention about Hot Rod Charlie. The breeding is there. He's a half to Matoli who was a freak speed uh, runner yep. who won the Met Mile a couple of years ago. Now he gets the, uh, the Oxbow yep. stretch out, who Oxbow obviously won the Preakness. Uh, and he's yep. one he's one different ways and I, it this didn't hit me until yep. a couple days ago the the, yep. the you mentioned Louisiana Derby yes he went to the front I don't think Dick he has to do that to win we saw in the Breeders Cup Juvenile he sat mid pack he was right next to essential quality and they were one two in the end there's some versatility here that makes this horse I think, rateable, really no matter how the pace comes up on Saturday.
2: Yeah,
3: I'm with you. He's a two-way horse in a race without a lot of two-way horses, to your point. And I went back and watched his replays again today. I just wanted to make sure I remembered what I remembered. And you're right. He made moves in those races. The Breeders' Cup the Lewis. I mean, middle moves. Yeah, kind of moves that win races like the Derby. And I'm a huge Fabian Pratt fan, as I think you know. He just dominates the West Coast. He doesn't get the play of, say, Irad, and maybe nobody should because Irad is that good. But I think if you give me any any top three jockeys in the country, he is absolutely on my list. I think he's, I think he's great. Uh, so I like the jockey. Obviously, Doug knows what he's doing. And of all the works, and I watched every one that was available uh, on XBTV or wherever it might be, um, got Churchill Downs on their Twitter feed.
1: I thought, in fact, that it was unquestionable to me that Hot Rod Charlie's last work was the best of anybody. Well, we're and, talk- it wasn't- and we're talking on Wednesday, and I did think it was interesting today. He he had showed up at Churchill, and, and Mike Welch, who was your contemporary for a long time, uh, as yep. a great clocker, at D- Daily Racing Form. I mean, he he is the the gospel at, at, on track uh, on track for things like this. And until today, Wednesday, he hadn't done much. And then I looked at the front page of the racing form and Welch says, Hot Rod Charlie, good to go. So no issues there. You mentioned Pratt. I, yep. I have read the suggestion because Rosario was so good and he's probably the best jockey in the country right now, that that is a drop-off. It sounds like you don't think it's any big deal going from Rosario to Pratt. Not at all. I think Pratt is one of the best guys at planning. When you watch
3: how he rides in the West Coast, I mean, he's always got a plan. It's usually like a better's plan. Like he thinks like I think. Uh, and I think what you said, Mike, is right. This Derby, and you and I have talked about this. We talk about this every year. You try to make it into a four-horse race. Forget the 20 horses. You get your horse in the top four coming out of the first turn, then you don't have to worry about traffic. There is none, and I think he's going to understand that. I think he's going to have this horse who's got enough speed to get position. All I want with Hot Rod Charlie have them in the top three or four
1: coming out of the first turn. I'll take my chances. Uh, who else uh, do you think are, are contenders here in this race? You mentioned Rock Your World's got the big buyer speed. You mentioned the favorite. You mentioned Hot Rod Charlie. Go through some of the other courses you consider uh, contenders or live long shot stick you want to put people on to use at the bottom of tickets in the Derby on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to find some bombs. And and, and there's a couple that are interesting to me. I, I don't know where the King Fury Lexington came from. I, I, I can't make any sense of it but it was real. I mean, it was a real race. The 96 buyers legit. The horses by Curlin. uh, it almost cost a million dollars. So there was always something there. The question was, was it just the slop? Was it a one-off what, but at 20 to one, I'm willing to find out and use them in some, in some supers and some tries. And I also, I look, Steve Asmus is going to win this race at some point. Right. I mean, he's just going to win it. Yep. He's won every big race there is. And I think either of his two are, are live to get into the super, Superstock who won the Arkansas Derby not a great number but I like he just looks like he's going forward and and if you like if you like the, the hot rod Charlie as I do there's no reason not to like midnight bourbon right he ran right
1: with him the whole way in the Louisiana Derby gave a real good account of himself and that's assmussen and first time Mike Smith uh, a couple others I want to uh, bring up because they're going to get attention uh, on Saturday. Let's go to Chad Brown. I know you love Chad Brown and what he's able to do. He's got highly motivated for Clarevich, who's a local tie-in here. Seth Clareman, part of the Red Sox, uh, hedge fund guy. Uh, he ran a bang-up race running second to essential quality. I don't know if it was him fighting back at the end or essential quality sort of hanging at the end, but what did you make of the 17 horse for Chad Brown, highly motivated? I, yeah, I got no problems with him. He looks like he's heading in the right direction. And look, there's another
3: guy. I just said Steve is going to win the Derby. Obviously, Chad Brown is going to win a Derby or two or three or whatever. As he gets more and more pointing, those, you know, getting those kinds of horses and having a guy like Seth Klarman behind him, it, you know, he's got the money. He's going to buy the right horses. They're going to spend it. And you know, look, this might be the one I, I got. I got no problem with highly motivated into mischief is the hottest sire like like ever. Right. I mean, they're, they're like he wins every race; it's incredible. So, yeah, why would you not want a son of to Mischief? Of course, that authentic for the people that don't remember was a Derby and Derby and Breeder's Cup Classic
1: winner, and a Horse of the Year was a son of to Mischief. Uh, how about one other? Since you mentioned the West Coast, obviously, and you, you and I like uh, your hot rod Charlie Medina Spirit. Yeah, uh, they hooked up a couple of races ago. He's been running behind for Bob Baffert. I mean, life is good. Who was Baffert's a horse and concert tour was his B horse. Neither one of those horses is going to run. Medina Spirit and Baffert are are fifteen to one on the morning line. Your thoughts on him before we jump into the pace of this race?
2: Yeah,
3: I I just don't see it. I think he's peaked. I think we've seen the best of him. And that race he won the Lewis, where he just fought his heart out. I think that may be. That's the kind that a lot of three year olds just don't come back from. It was brilliant. But the last two have just been, I don't, I don't think flat is the right word, but you didn't see that, that jump that you need to see. And you know what, Mike, you and I have watched this long enough. The Baffert horses are going to win the Derby.
1: They are all touting themselves highly before the race. This horse isn't doing that. Yeah, Concert Tour is going to go win the Preakness or be the top three in the Preakness. It feels there, that way. There you go. Uh, is Medina <laughs> is spirit, uh, spirit going to the front in this race, or is that going to be uh, Rock Your World on the front going into that first turn?
3: That's the question I've been spending all day trying to figure out. Um, look, Rock Your World was sent last time because he had that inside post. But that was a race with a lot of early speed, and he outran them all. The difference is, Joe Rosario, as good as he is, he's not the most aggressive rider in the world. So I don't know that they're going to send send. Uh, but it's a, it's a really good question, and I have not yet been able to answer it. Like, I knew Authentic was in front last year. I just don't know the answer. Still searching.
1: All right. So if if I I was your editor at the forum and I said, Dick, we need your top four for the picks page uh, in the Derby, what would your top four look like for Saturday?
3: Yeah, I'm going to give you the nine Hot Rod Charlie. I'll give you just on some prices, King Fury, uh, the 16 Superstock, the 18, and probably 15 Rock Your World. Even though I don't like just the three races. I think he's probably got the biggest upside of any horse in the race. Like, if you said who could really run great, uh, he would be the one. And look, I'm I'm not using essential quality, but don't take that as I
1: don't think he can be there because I do. So that's what I was gonna say from a betting standpoint. Since you leave him out of your top four. Correct. Does that was that mean you would use him horizontally? You know, in, in pick threes, pick fours, the Derby City pick six. Yeah. Is that, how would you use him since he's out of your top four? Yeah, I'll
3: use him different places. And what's interesting is I think he's going to be better value in every pool except the wind pool. <laughs> you know, we got Wildman Mattress Mac is betting. I don't know what is it three million to yep. win four yep. million, whatever the number is. That's going to. That's why Mike Betagley made him such a short price on the morning line because he knew that money was coming in. That's a crazy price. There's no way this horse should be two to one. You can't bet a, a dime on him at two to one in this race. But he's not going to be two to one at Exactors
1: or tries or anywhere else. Well, you know he won't be two to one. Now I think about it, is the 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 Oaks Derby double. Like if you like, yep, it, that's it, right. He'll probably yep. be closer to what four seven to two, four to one Absolutely. in that Oaks Derby oh, double. Yes.
3: No, no, yeah, I would say anybody that likes essential quality stay out of the wind pool because you're getting all the worst of it. Because my man mattress back <laughs> is firing away, I, even at the Derby. Three, four million to win is changing the price.
1: Uh, we have this has not happened a lot over the course of what fifteen years of, of Dick and I talking Derby. We're going to be on the same horse here in the Derby, so that could be really good or really bad for you folks out there, <laughs> and for Dick and I, come Saturday and uh, Hot Rod Charlie <laughs> number nine uh, for Doug O'Neill. Let's talk about a couple of the races coming up uh, as yep. the the races on the undercard. Uh, race number nine uh, is starts off the pick four, uh, or starts off a pick four. Uh, it's the American Turf. It's the grade two going a mile and a sixteenth. These are horses that many of them, Dick, tried their their dirt tries, but they're turf yep. horses. They're three year olds. They're good horses, but they turns out they're better on turf than dirt. What do you want to do here in the American Turf race nine coming up on Friday on Saturday?
3: Yeah, I I'm I do not know if this price is gonna hold. I'd be thrilled if it does. They have uh win from within the two listed at eight to one, Sayas and Fletcher. The three dirt races were, you know, uh, just not good enough, right? So Todd, Todd finally said, that's it. They had an off-the-turf last year in the With Anticipation. The two turf races this year have just been dazzling. He won on a soft pace, and then he won at Tampa Bay by flying, went a mile and 33 and a piece. And it you say maybe needs a lead i don't know that that's the case a lot of turf horses they can run any old way i just think the price is so intriguing uh it's, it's a live race there's a lot of good horses but yeah i fell on the two win from within for a pletcher and Sayas.
1: yeah if he's able to get an early lead with Sayas, Sayas become one of well, the what yeah. be- uh, one of the better speed jockeys especially on turf in the country yep. uh, i'm certainly yep. going to use him and then scarlet sky on the outside for sure McGee at four to one uh with joel yep. rosario I-, I can make an argument race number 10 which uh, excuse me race number I got to go backwards one I got to go back to race number 8 see I'm getting so yep. jacked uh, for these pat races day mile. the pat yep. day, the pat day mile is another one of these races dick where we have all these der- derby horses they decide yep. you know what we can't get the distance we've got to cut yep. back and this thing year in year out has been one of the most fun races on the card give us your thoughts on the pat day mile
3: yeah i give peter orton so much credit here look this stream shake could have gotten in the derby right he had enough points to get in and they're saying, you know what, no, uh, we're not quite ready yet. we got a good horse. He showed it in all three races. Why don't we just go and win a race that we're going to be have a big chance in, a nice little, what's what's the purse on this thing, half a million? Yeah, that's not a bad deal when you're going to be the favorite possibly. I like Dream Shake. I think all three of his races have been great. He's got that middle move that screams one-turn mile to me. I'm a huge Dream Shake fan and a Pate mile. Saturday. Yeah,
1: seven 7-2 on the morning line. If he stays there, it'll be one of my bigger bets of the weekend. And I think he will, because Jackie's Warrior, remember, was the favorite in the Breeders' yep. Cup Juvenile a year ago. He's going to take yep. money. There are other horses in here that are going to, I think, take some money. Prevalence was well thought of before his uh, dull effort in the wood uh, last time out. So you may end up getting a good price on a horse that was running right behind some of the great California horses. Just a couple of race to go gets the cutback dream shake the eight horse in race number eight uh for uh peter urton and flavian pratt would make for a hell of a weekend if pracking at the, yeah. der- the the pat day mile and the derby uh there mm-hmm. on saturday
3: no question mike and i think your point about jackie's warrior obviously he was a sensational two-year-old last year then he, he didn't get the lead in the breeders cup and i actually thought he ran well i just don't know why he ran so poorly in the southwest i mean he got the lead it was a, it was a race that was set up for him and he ran terribly I don't get that, and I think this horse 3-2 zone, the one who's from Parks with my man Kendrick Carmouche, this horse is going to come out blind. He's coming at all these sprint races, so I don't know that Jackie's Warrior is even going to get a clear lead. i got to try to beat him, and I think the horse
1: to try to beat him with is Dream Shake. Uh, if you're going to have a, a pace meltdown, I want Dream Shake sitting just off making that run there yep. uh, in that long That's stretch right. of Churchill Downs. We go to Friday. It's the Oaks. I, I'm, I'm boring. I like the favorite. Todd Pletcher, short price, but looks like to be... Maybe a potential superstar in Malathot, the uh, big favorite, uh, in the Oaks uh, on Friday afternoon or Friday evening. Give us your thoughts of this field. Is it as simple, Dick, as just Todd Pletcher on top here in the Oaks?
3: It is not for me, Mike. You and I are going to disagree on this one. Um, I just think this is one of the slowest group of three-year-old fillies I've ever seen. I mean, Malathot, who's a heavy favorite, I have no problem with her being the favorite. She should be the favorite, uh, the million-dollar curling uh, yearling She's 89 buyer is the best she's been able to do so far in the ashland that's not that's not great i know she's four for four but by this time the really good fillies are into the 90s or even maybe a hundred number i'm going to give you a wild long shot here uh and and i got a i got a big cat on this from one of my best friends in the business my man kendrick carmuch on the two Maracucha, second most recently in the gazelle to the chad brown the search results who i think is going to be the second choice with the big numbers out of new york he is telling me this horse's last couple workouts are great twenty to one a- am I am I saying I'm going to bet my life savings no, but I think it's more open than most people think, and when it's more open, I'm going with twenty to one rather than two to one. so Maracucha the two for a long shot in the open.
1: and you mentioned that I mean it's so great to see Kendra Carmouch on a big day like this if you follow you you followed him probably much longer than I have because So he went to Philadelphia. He moved the tack to New York now. You followed him for a long time. Has he always been so aggressive and so willing to get a horse involved early? Because in New York, Dick, as you know, these jockeys, they don't want to go to the front at all. So when Carmuch gets on, I, I, I love the way he rides. Has he always been that aggressive? Yeah, he learned to ride at the bush Tracks in Louisiana. You know, his dad was a rider down there. His
3: brother's a rider. So, yeah, he's always had that. But you know what else? He's a great judge of pace. He's really good on grass. And i as you said, I got to see him grow up at parks. He won the he's the first rider ever to win four straight rider titles there six in a row. if he had stayed around, but he left for New York'cause for days like this, it's his first chance at the Oaks first chance at the Derby. He's on Barbonic at the Derby. I don't think he can win the Derby, but I do think he's live in the Oaks, and, and he's a great guy. One of my best friends in the business. Would love to see him do well on Saturday, Friday and Saturday.
1: Yeah, Rob Atras has done a hell of a job the last year or so uh, up in the Northeast. Yes, he, gets yes he has. Yes. No <laughs> he, certainly, he certainly has. Uh, as far as the uh, the state of the sport right now, Dick, we're getting fans back. We found out today, uh, fans back in New York at a, a limited capacity to start, hoping to get fans back yep. in a bigger capacity yep. for Saratoga. Uh, and it continues to the, – the drum continues to beat – uh, from yourself, you've talked about this for years, and some of the real stewards of the game, Graham Motion and others have said recently, it is time for the sport to unify. It is time for the sport to have a major governing body that decides, well, we're not going to have this rule in this state and this rule in that state. Yes. Here are the yeah. rules. Here's how we're going yep. to, to enforce them. I, I say it, that's what we need, but you know, much like baseball needs to, to figure out some fixes, I'm not confident in baseball or horse racing to actually follow through with what's needed to make the game better.
3: No, I'm not either. There's just too many disparate interests and too many people that are are happy with the way it is. But what they have to think, and and a guy like Graham knows this, and obviously you do, Mike, and I think I'm aware of it. It, It's a public perception problem, and there's a perception issue with the sport. And even if a lot of it's not true, it doesn't really matter. You need to prove to people that your sport is being policed well and evenly. And right now, that's, that's not the perception, and in many cases, it's not the reality. Uh, So, yeah, we we need a national body. I have no problem with the national act. I think there's some things maybe could be cleaned up in it, straightened out. But that that can happen over time. But, yeah, let's get USADA involved. Let's get one set of rules and regulations for everybody so we know what the playing field is.
1: We'll get you on this. Keep track of this during the Triple Crown. We'll talk to Dick prior to the Preakness as well. Uh, We are here courtesy of BetOnline.ag. Their odds for a Triple Crown winner. Yes is plus 550. No is minus 1,000. Dick Girardi, you've seen this group Yes or no? Which one are you betting a mythical hundred bucks on for triple crown?
3: Yeah, I, I would never make the bet because you're getting no price. <laughs> I would bet no. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see. Typically, like by this time, we're seeing a horse like Justified Tatted himself. American Pharaoh, California Chromo almost got there. You already knew because how dominant they'd been. I don't see that horse that's
1: been this dominant in a prep races. So I would, I would bet no. But I, again, I'm not betting one to ten or whatever <laughs> Whatever that was, we're not going uh, to bet central quality at two one. We're not betting one to ten uh, minus a thousand. Nah,
3: that's, that's it. we got. We need some value here. Look, cashing tickets is fine, but as we said many times, the object of this game is very simple: go home with more money than you started.
1: with. We're going to try to do that with Hot Rod Charlie on Derby weekend. Dick, uh, great analysis as always. Look forward to talking in a couple weeks for the Preakness and uh, best of luck here in Derby one forty seven, my friend. You got it. You too, Mike. Well, that's over an hour of Derby and Oaks breakdown here uh, on the Winners Club podcast. And hopefully you have took some taken notes, you got some ideas, you've added in uh, our ideas to your ideas and put together some big plays in time for uh, the Derby and the Derby card on Saturday. Again, we'll be at Mohegan Sun. Uh, I'll be tweeting out a bunch of stuff uh, at ButtWEI on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram as well. We'll have a lot of ideas, videos, social media uh, on Derby Day, live at Mohegan and some other stuff, I'm sure, between now and then. Uh, so I sort of tip my hand there, talking to uh, Dick Girardi here to end this podcast. I'm going to be on Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, I like Hot Rod Charlie for a bunch of reasons. He's fast. He's versatile. He's a good price. He almost beat the overwhelming favorite in this race in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile a year ago. He can be a speed horse. He can be a horse off the pace. He can probably sit back and make one run if he has to. Like he's versatile. I, I think uh, Dick called him like a two-type horse. Like that. That's it's a great point. He's not. One, he's not a one way horse, a two way horse, as Dick said. And I like that about Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, I like the fact that Mike Welsh at the Daily Racing Forum said he looked fine today on the track after looking quiet for a couple of days. Uh, and I think he's sitting on a big race. I like horses that are coming in sort of third off a layoff. There's an idea that that third race back off a long layoff is the peak for a horse. Uh, that's what's happening for, a cent- for uh, 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 Hot Rod Charlie. And two back wasn't even that bad of a race. You no, know, he didn't win, but he, he, he was sluggish out of the gate. And from there, he really ran well. I thought after that, he's going to be eight, nine, ten to one potentially if all that money comes in uh, on essential quality that we're thinking is going to come in. So on top, I'm going to add the eight to one uh, hot rod Charlie the nine horse as my winner of the Kentucky Derby. He's also a half the Matoli and has the extended breeding on top by Oxbow on the Preakness. So for me, it's all systems go. Uh, I, I could be talked off if he ends up being the wise guy horse and is like you know four, five, six to one. I might have to swallow hard and, and change it and adjust a little bit, but anywhere near the eight to one price, Hot Rod Charlie for me on top. Rock Your World second. I think he has a pace advantage in this race. I think he's the only horse, so I know he's the only horse. Let's run a 100 buyer speed figure. I like that on time form, uh, which I also look at. That number came bad big. And if for some reason Medina Spirit doesn't go, who would have been my fifth horse here? Uh, Rock Your World's going to be loose in the lead, and in a race where I don't think the pace is going to be that contested, it's be a moderate pace, like forty seven ish. Uh, a 47 and change for the half mile. That would suit this horse well. He can win on the front. He can sit right off. And he might be, end up being the best horse in this group. So for me, I, I'm going to use Rock Your World second. Uh, I will use essential quality defensively third. He, I, I think he'll probably be uh, a B for me uh, in the horizontal picks. I will not use in the wind spot uh, in the trifectas or superfectas unless I use it and key it with Hot Rod Charlie, which I could do. Uh, I, I'll admit that my biggest opinion is Hot, ro- uh, hot Rod Charlie and what I might end up doing is keying him first, second, and third with some of the other logicals, and first and second with some long prices underneath. Uh, but I'm going to use him defensively only. I respect him, but I don't think he stands over this field. And if you didn't want to use him uh, on Saturday, I wouldn't even blink. For me, I'm going to use because I, I know I'm going to want to have some of him and Hot Rod Charlie in exactus. Like the, the thing that I can't—I would not be able to live with from a, a wagering standpoint here which to me is as fun to talk about, and the wagering strategies versus just the handicapping. I know for me at like 8 o'clock Saturday night, as I sit down for dinner and decompress after these, these races, like if, for some, if somehow, some way, Hot Rod Charlie and Essential Quality, horses that ran 1-2 in the juvenile a year ago, run 1-2 or 1-3 or 2-3 with another logical or price that I like, and I don't have the trifecta, I can't live with that. So I'm going to use defensively in third. And, and my price, and it's, it's funny talking to, to the guys on the podcast and gals, it, it does seem like there's a, a wide-ranging opinion of who's there for prices. King Fury got mentioned a couple times. Uh, Mandaloon uh for Matt Bernie, who I don't get but I'll use defensively, has mentioned a couple times. Uh, we really didn't get to every horse because I think a lot of us don't think that a lot of these horses, maybe more than half the field or so, don't have a chance to win. But the price horse I want to use is the number four horse, keep me in mind. And he was not supposed to get in this field. He was also eligible, uh, was on the list. There were scratches ahead of him, so he gets in. I like him at the bottom of tickets only. He's going to make one run. He likes Churchill Downs, uh, Blinkers Off, and he's had some awesome workouts with the Blinkers Off recently. Uh, Robertino Diodoro wins a bunch of races down in that Midwest uh, Texas, Kentucky area, so I'm not worried about that. And he hasn't run well here in his two prep races this year. He also ain't gotten much setups in those races, and he's finally going a full route of ground, the full mile and a quarter, which may suit this horse fine. So, to me, at a major price, and he's going to be, you know, every bit of whatever the morning line's uh, odds are. And I know there's probably some betting already as we talk about this race uh, on Wednesday. He's somewhere like 30, 40, 50 to 1. I, I, he's my price horse. He'll be the price key for me. Keep me in mind. Uh, the number four in the Derby for Diodoro and David Cohen. Uh, so, I'm going to go Hot Rod Charlie on top. Rocky your world for second, essential quality defensively third. Uh, keep me in mind at a huge price as my fourth horse. And if I had to have a fifth, Medina Spirit, who feels like a grinder, who might be better suited for a race like the Belmont versus the Derby. But basically for me, my key is you know, Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, my key is getting Hot Rod Charlie in the winner's circle or in that top three. If we can do that, should be a pretty good day. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter, Mutweei, the show account. If at have Questions, thoughts, whatever on the Derby, tweet us. Let us know uh, what you think. We just gave you a good breakdown. Take your opinions, our opinions, mix and match, and put yourself in a position for a big score. Days like this, when there is so much money in the pools, and now fans back at Churchill, there'll be really silly money in the pools here. Take advantage of that. Horses that only be eight to five, nine to five, be two to one, five to two. Take advantage. And when you have opinions, fire. Don't bet the same amount on every race. Pick out two or three places you have strong opinions on and focus there. And as I say that, as a true degenerate, I know I won't be able to do that. I'll be firing every race Friday and Saturday. So be better than I am. Be better. Go Hot Rod Charlie. Best of luck in Derby 147. We'll talk to you again prior to the Preakness here on the Winners Club.